You're listening to Enjoy an Album with Liam Widnow and Christopher MacArthur Boyd. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Enjoy an Album with Liam Widnow and Christopher MacArthur Boyd. Christopher MacArthur Boyd, how are you? Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm in a good place and I'm just trying to keep it going, you know? Um, we need to cover something. Um... Uh, that we spoke about in the week that I'd completely forgotten about that you were shocked by um, and that is the revelation that I am Is related. this about wild garlic? What? I found out about wild garlic last night and I was like it's just out there Now I know what you're actually talking about I'm like this is good for the podcast but Wait, 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 wait. So you were shocked that garlic grows outside? No, I knew it would grow in like a, a, like in Paris or something, or like outside in France. Paris. No, in like France, you know, like <laughs> pe- people grow garlic and it's a bulb. Yeah, but it turns out there's like if you go down near some rivers, there's loads of garlic and you can just take it home and make pesto out of it or something. Pretty wild stuff. Yeah, but we haven't spoken about that though, so I'm very curious as to why you thought I'd be bringing it up. I spoke to someone about it. Do you it. think this is breaking news and the whole world is talking about this? <laughs> That's what it feels like to me. What we're going to talk about is I, I went home over the weekend and I spent um, yeah. some time with my family. And my mm-hmm. dad reminded me that I am related to uh, a member of Iron Maiden, one of your favourite bands. I don't understand how this hasn't came up the last, like, five times I've brought up Iron Maiden. <laughs> I talk about Iron Maiden in the Shakira episode. It's on the playlist. Sh- I- Iron Maiden is my fucking playlist pick for the Shakira episode. Yeah, here's the thing. So, um, it's my, uh, Adrian Smith from the band is uh, yeah. my dad's uh, cousin. Mm-hmm. And when my dad moved to uh, London from Ireland in the 70s, um, they they hung out and they would go drinking. Um yeah, and then you know he went off and joined Iron Maiden. Like it, my dad had seen him play live with like I don't know other bands or whatever. Uh, but he told me like I, this was like a fact in my family that my dad would always talk about. Yeah, because it's very interesting for him. It was great and cool, but you got to realize I was like eight or nine years old, and I was like, whatever, granddad, I don't care about your old boring music, whatever. So I just in my head I put it in a box of like boring old dad shit, and then we've not spoken about it for a very long time. And then I was talking about his podcast, and he was like, "Oh yeah, well, it's your it's your cousin on there." And I was like, "What do you mean, not my cousin?" He was like, "Is my cousin on there?" I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, is Iron Maiden on the list?" And I remembered, I was like, "Oh shit, I can't believe I haven't told Chris, who loves Iron Maiden, that I'm related to Adrian Smith." It's, it's so crazy, and I, you know, I don't think Iron Maiden is on the list. They should be. There's not enough metal representation. I feel uh, if you want to do an off-list episode where you listen to Iron Maiden for the first time. Get Adrian in the studio. Yeah, know. so here's the thing. Like, you know, I, 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 I'm curious as to whether or not my dad is overplaying how well they knew each other. Could, he could be. Yeah. Maybe he's not. Maybe it could be. It would be at least, I would say, 35 years since they spoke. Um, but that's not a great relationship. Yeah. So I, you know, I went. It's not like. I'd how be... often do you see your cousin though when you live in different places? You know. Well, I don't think my dad's ever been to LA. So. Yeah. That that could yeah. if he if he's ever there maybe we'll swing by Adrian's mansion. Iron Maiden are so fucking cool. And I by proxy am now cooler. 
you're less cool now because you're connected, but you don't care. Ah, uh, no, that makes it's me like cool. Like that if makes you me cooler. Van Gogh. Oh, my dad's related to, uh, yeah, Van Gogh. Um, I don't really care. I'm more into, like, finger painting. It makes me cooler like... because I was so laissez faire about it because it's such it's a, a normal part of my life. It's not laissez faire, it's laissez faire. You don't know anything about speaking French, French, and you don't know anything about Iron Maiden, and it disgusts me to my core. You're and right. also, I should go to France. You've never told me about wild garlic before. I should before. go to France. It, has a, to, it exists. To uh, examine more wild garlic. Uh, listen, um, enjoy the podcast. This week we're um, listening to John Mayer. Um, you can find out whether or not we liked it. Um, if you, en- you can tell by the tone in Liam's voice, he loved it. My favourite album so far. Uh... Hey, who do we need to thank? Will McKee for editing this and producing this. And this was a real dick to edit this episode because we did everything in the wrong order. So if it sounds like a normal episode, then Will has done an even more exceptional job than usual. Not only Will McKee needs to thank, but we also need to thank Alex Harwood for doing the illustrations. Mm. Um, The little graphic of us dancing and snapping Mm. our little fingers. I want to thank... Love it. I want to thank my uh, my family member Adrian Smith for continuing to rock on. Uh, I want to separately thank Adrian Smith for inspiring me with his lead guitar attack. As a family titles. member, I accept I accept the thanks on his behalf. You can't do it. You can't do that. I have done. I have done. You cannot do that. You can't do that. I've enjoyed the thanks. Now you enjoy an episode. Listen, we've thanked an album. Now you. <laughs> can enjoy a podcast called Enjoy Your Album. Here is the Rolling Stones take on John Mayer's Continuum. After establishing himself as a post-Dave Matthews heartthrob, John Mayer grew into his soul and blues ambitions for a subtly crafted album aided by ace musicians like guitarist Ben Harper and Charlie Hunter, drummer producer Steve Jordan and jazz trumpeter Roy Hargrove. From the smooth high records tinge soul of Vultures to Waiting for the World to Change, a deceptively knowing and self-aware take on generational apathy. Christopher John Mayer. What the yeah, would have you even ever heard of him? No, have you? Yeah, because like 2010 was when he was having a proper recording in progress. <laughs> uh, 2010 was like kind of when I was into, I was like obsessed with like mm. music news in the same way that like people are obsessed with like tabloids and stuff. So I was like NME Pitchfork every day, every night reading every news article, and he was all over it because he was like a. F- a famous guy who was like saying all this crazy shit all the time. Right. Okay. Even in even in the on the pages of Enemy and Pitchfork because it's the the Enemy and Pitchfork are not really this guy's purview, right? Well, he was a musician, so he was getting covered there because he was saying mad stuff. Yeah. Mad people, mad mainstream people get covered in those. I didn't uh, know much about. Him. I guess because I mean, what year was this? Two thousand and six. So mm-hmm. I would have been like. 15 or 16 so I guess this probably just as I'm coming away from what is like popular you know what I mean 
But he's kind of known for being this crazy guy. I think that's the most interesting thing about John Mayer is that his music is put kindly, very accessible. Mm. And then his personal life is insane. First off, as usual, let's do a quick rundown on the life of John Mayer. Um, I don't know how much... Re- Secret Porsche? What do you think? Do you know? I kind of looked into it. Seems as if his mum and dad were really upset by the fact he was going to be a musician, which to me screams Secret Porsche. Because I feel like most working class parents are just like, I'm glad you're just doing anything. No, I don't agree with that. Because no? well, because there's no money in in being a musician to so many people. So a lot of work. That's that's like it's like Billy. It's classic Billy Elliot. What you're gonna go bloody dancing? No, you need to get down them mines. Um. So I, it's not. I, so I, you think when some fucking like one of these comedians whose mom and dad are like have Wikipedia pages because they are like the most famous banker in the UK mm. and they live in a fucking mansion and obviously they have a Ko-Fi page set up so you can support them. You think their mum and dads are like, I'm so glad my son or daughter is a fucking travelling clown. Well, it depends, doesn't it? But like, I think, I don't think that is enough basis to proclaim okay. secret posture. Is That's it? more of a case-on-case basis. That yeah, kind of thing, yeah, I think. absolutely. So, um, you know, I've done my extensive research and I have to say... He's he's just borderline, which is surprising when you go on to hear him speak or look at him or see the sort of stuff that he does and says. Um, his his dad was a principal of a, a high school. Um, and Lower his, middle class. And his his mum was like middle a, middle class. Yeah, he's 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 sort of middle upper class or whatever, right? He's um, he he did go to Berkeley School of Music, um, which is you know a very well renowned, prestigious. Yeah, but, you know, there's lots of upper-middle-class kids that go to the likes of Oxbridge or whatever. It's not... We're not in, like, Win Butler territory here, no. you know. You you seem scarred by the whole Win Butler thing, like... Well... An aspect to your sense of identity is just being fucking slashed, like... No, you know, it's... it's not, I'm not scarred by it. I just think he's the perfect example of someone... Secret Porsche. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he's he's... And he was the first episode... So mm-hmm. and and so far, I don't think we've really come across anyone posher. Um, so he's no. he's the perfect barometer by which we place um, any further secret poshos. Do you have you heard about Cara Delevingne? Look into her. If you're listening to this and your favourite part is secret posho, look into the life of Cara Delevingne. Um, Cara. I forgot you were the a hacker. <laughs> I'm hacking um, into her mainframe. I'm into her mainframe, right? Cara Delevingne, the daughter of Pandora Ann Delevingne and property developer Charles Hamar Delevingne. Um, now, Charles has his own Wikipedia page um, and is the grandson of the first Viscount Greenwood. I mean, that's the sort of stuff when you read it, you go, I don't know what a Viscount is. Yeah. Delevingne's godfather is Condé Nast. Um, Condé Nast? Who owns Pitchfork? Who owns Rolling Stone magazine? Who owns all these things? And her godmother is Joan. Owns the Daily Mail, right? The first recorded news stories about her are just like Cara Delevingne at a premiere. And then people are like, who the fuck is Cara Delevingne? She literally became famous because people were writing news stories because her dad fucking owns the Daily Mail. She's a disgrace. And she ruined the DC cinematic universe. No, I'm kidding. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a strong opinion on her. 
getting Ant Man. But she's a... it hurts more when you like the person and then you find out. Do you like potion. Cara Delevingne? I'm shocked by this. Her name's Delevingne. Well, this is like you laughing at me with, with Wim Butler. Like her name is Delevingne. That's well, I thought she was like, uh, you know, my name's Cara Judy or something, and then fucking, you know, she'd made it French. 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 <laughs> she made it French. She Frenched it up. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about John Mayer. Um, so yeah, like we're, we're gonna put middling. He's a middling posho. I think he's yeah. He's it's more. I think his fame is a lot to do with the fact that he's a shit hot guitar player who writes very accessible music. Yeah. Um. So, but he started off before he wrote. I mean, this album Continuum is like a blues pop album. It's like blues inspired pop album, right? Um, this is like a kind of like when you go on his Apple Music. This is the essential album. And when you read interviews with him from like 2012, a couple of years after this, or 2009, a couple of years after this, when he's like promoting his next album, he's like, yeah, this one's good. It's not as good as Continuum. So this is what he was aspiring to. But but prior to this, he released two like sort of acoustic-y singer-songwriter albums. Yeah, kind of fucking James Blunty, Daniel Pewter. What was Daniel Pewter's song? Remember? You had a bad day. And so you had a bad day, you can't don't lie, you yeah. put it in your ass and you move it around. Just, One of them. Did he put it in his ass and move it around? <laughs> I think so. Um, it was compared a lot to Dave Matthews and the Dave Matthews band. That, again, do you know who that is? I My only understanding of Dave Matthews is that it was um, Jeff Winger's favourite band in the sitcom community. Uh-huh. It's kind of an American punchline, Dave Matthews. Mm. Again, it's one of these bands. This is why this list is kind of interesting for us because it's very American list. Mm-hmm. So there's all uh, bands that were only really popular in America. They were like fucking huge in America, and this guy was fucking huge in America. So I mean, is it? I mean, Dave Matthews. What is it like? Acoustic-y? It's like bro, bro time, jammy, campfire, acoustic, fucking sing along shape. Right, okay. Um, yeah, so John Mayer was compared to that. Apparently, unfavorably, he didn't like that. So he dropped this blues rock album as Continuum. After that, he did uh, another album called Battle Studies, which was not as well received. He's basically got real diminishing returns after com- Continuum in terms of like what people liked about his stuff. He um, he had a similar thing to... I would argue that. Okay. Because I think he's put that this out and everybody was like, this is the most commercial thing. And his solo stuff has really diminishing returns. But everybody says, oh, the stuff he does with Kanye West, you know, the stuff he does with... He's, like, reformed the Grateful Dead, kind mm. of. And people love that shit. You yeah, know, well, I, I'm talking, and he I'm goes on tour with Dave Chappelle and stuff. Yeah, you know? I'm talking about his solo work, right? I'm talking about his, okay. his solo oh, 100%. album releases. Yeah, yeah, his yeah. albums post-Continuum um, have, like, not done critically or commercially... Or um, commercially, which was what I tried to say, um, as as well. Um, he had a similar thing to Linda Ronstadt, where he had to have um, his voice was lo- he was losing his voice. Yeah, um, yeah. So he had to have surgery and uh, didn't sing for like two years because he got some like. Uh... Before this or after this? After this, right? Um, yeah, didn't perform live for two years. Do you remember the comedian Gareth Much had something like that? He had. Um... I do remember the comedian Gareth Much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, rest in peace, brother. He was a good guy. Rest in peace. Uh, his throat fell out his neck and ran away. There was a there's a Scottish comedian called Gareth March who who was like 19 and he got so he had something wrong with, with his throat. So he used to talk like this. First time I met him, he was 19. Hey man, love your stuff. 
Uh, it's 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 normal again now, but he had a good yeah. two or three years where his voice just didn't work, and he saw all of his comedy set was about his voice not working, and then it yeah. just came back, and then suddenly he, I remember when his voice started to come back, and he was doing his set about having no voice, and it was like people don't get it. He was like, I know what you're thinking. I've got no voice, and people were like, yes, you do. You do. It sounds fine. You've got a voice. I was, re- I was listening to this amazing podcast called uh, Cocaine and Rhinestones. It's about the kind of history of country music. And a guy called Ernest Tubbs Great in name. the first episode. Ernest Tubb. That sounds he... like a name from Father Ted. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's am- He's got this great song called I'm having nails and nails in my coffin Every time I drink a bottle of booze It's like pure 1950s, mm. 60s fucking country. He's, he's really good. But he wanted to sing like Jimmy Rogers, who was a yodeler. But he yodeled his throat into a state of disrepair and he couldn't yodel anymore. And he was like, oh, I hate my voice. But that style of singing that he invented through being hurt is what influenced Johnny Cash and Hank Williams and stuff to have that kind of low croony country that everybody associates with country now. So it's interesting that John Mayer just gave up instead of powering through and reinventing shape blues pop a bit of a harsh judgment on john mayer who had things growing in his throat but um he did he took out some time then and um he decided instead to enter our world and uh, attempt he couldn't sing but he could talk and he could talk on stage into a microphone under the premise of stand-up comedy have you got a clip of it yes i do um he's um he's at a comedy club which the Laugh, the Factory, Laugh Factory very famous comedy um, comedy club it's a comedy club <laughs> they do jokes and comedy <laughs> it's, uh, Seinfeld goes down there a lot and does does new stuff on everybody there. does it everybody goes there it's very one of the biggest comedy clubs in the, in the US yeah um, so we've got a clip of John Mayer um, I'm going to read the opening captions that someone has added um, there's mm-hmm. like an intro it says I've read the comments John Mayer caught on tape at the Laugh Factory. I can't believe he didn't know he was being filmed. LOL. So that's the intro. Can we talk about what he's wearing? What is he wearing, do you think? He's wearing a pair of khakis, a pair of trainers. And just like a, a baggy hoodie. Yeah. Well, he, that's living it real, you know? We all know those comedians, the guys who tell it like it is. Yeah, he's very much like... He, he's kind of described a lot as like a bit of a fashionista. Uh-huh. Like... He's very much a sort of walking GQ magazine. Sure. So this is like... It kind of reminds me of the way some women talk about uh, how they dress for stand-up, where they're like, you know, I want to be taken seriously and not as like a sexual object, so I kind of dress down. That kind of Amy Schumer um, yeah, influence. It's, the, it's, the... And it's almost like he's like, you know, I, obviously I'm a sex god, but I also have fucked up crazy ideas about... TV shows, so just let me wear the, ugly clothes. Deliberately understated, sort of like, and he's he's sat on a stool in a kind of like. Well, he's friends with. Whereas, Chappelle, I don't he? know about you, right? But I dress really nice to do stand up. What do you mean clothes. you don't know about me? I, I I dress up really nice as well. That's obvious. I'm just talking about myself right now. Right. Um, I, I dress as nice as I can mm. because I'm a hideous goblin. It's a show. So it's showbiz. That's what I it's think. Showbiz, baby. You but should at least guys... dress like you know people are looking at you. And he looks like he's dressed up for a fucking But he knows that everybody is always looking at him. Mm. Anyway, right, let's see what he's got to say about Dateline. But there is one television show that I absolutely adore. Have you seen this Dateline where they invite all the pedophiles into the house? Have you seen this? 
It's called, it's called To Catch a Predator, or as I like to call it, Cock Block. Stop. Please stop. That is not a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> the delivery, where he leans forward, Cock Blocked. Yeah. And the delivery is okay, but... Well, the thing is, he's confident on stage and he can talk and, you know, all that all that stuff is fine. Yeah. But, um... I don't know, if you're at, like, he's, he's at this point in his career, Continuum's mm-hmm. out. He's made millions. Mm-hmm. He's got enough money forever. Musicians and actors love to think they could do stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. And stand-ups love to think that they could act. We can. And yeah. That's true. And we're great. There's we are no the best art form. There's no instances of um stand-ups being bad actors. Let me break it down for you how it happens. It's never happened. Dateline sets up this house. They put all these cameras in there, right? They try to cover it up like a journal show, but it's a, it's a really it's a it's a it's a react. It's like cops with a good healthy running start. I don't know what it means by that. Yeah, a lot. I mean, you've seen the show he's talking about. It's though, right? like cops with a good healthy running start. <laughs> because what they do is they bait these child predators into coming over to a house. So they get online and they start typing, and they all. It's hilarious. It's a hilarious show Stop. because they always. When you're doing stand-up, never say, it was hilarious, this is hilarious. Because then the crowd's like, well, I hope I hear something hilarious. Well, it's one of these bits that's just like, I mean, the the show, To Catch a Predator, is in itself like, it's ludicrous. So it's one of these bits that you, you see stand-ups do, just like, if I just explain something that's crazy, that's enough. Yeah. And you see it with like, I don't know, when self-checkout machines were, were first a thing. What? I have to do the, sh- the checkout myself? Do I work at Tesco? Of course, as a communist, you agree with that? The fact that it's crazy and that automation is... Or are you more of the line that automation is the way to go and nobody should have to do these menial jobs? Um, an exceptionally left-field question. Uh, <laughs> do you want to hear more, John Mayer? Yeah, okay. I, do you know what? I think we've got enough for him. Go to the bit at the end where he fluffs the punchline. Go to the like, last half. half right, so this the last is... 20 seconds. Let's just yeah. listen to it all. Why? What's in your history? How did your parents treat you? Was this some crazy uncle that gave you one too many knee horsey rides? What went on? No, but instead he goes like this. Are these your balls? <laughs> yeah, they're my balls, except they're not as blue. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you guys very much for listening. I'm John Mayer. Thank you. I'm going to read the closing caption which the video uploader has put over it. It says, My advice to John? Your body may be a wonderland, but your comedy is not. Don't quit your day job. <laughs> LOL. Imagine getting slammed that hard by the YouTube user, Jazzy Kit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's, it's easy to make fun of him. You know, he's yeah, very, so very, er- very earnest. Very let's earnest, carry on, young let's carry on making fun of him. Okay. Uh, no, it's like I don't know. Um... So in terms of other, in terms of non-comedians doing stand-up, there was this thing in the eighties and nineties where stand-ups would try really hard to get a sitcom. So you had like Everybody Loves Raymond mm. and King of Queens and stuff like that, and the whole and Roseanne, you know, where the whole point was for a stand-up to get a sitcom. But sometimes it went in reverse. So when Kelsey Grammer got Frasier, he started like popping up 
at like comedy festivals and like there's like a stand-up showcase on Amazon Prime with like a brick wall behind him and he does like 10 minutes I've never seen that and you, you can just tell he's never done stand-up how is it fucking brutal man oh, what kind of stuff it's, oh he's not Frasier do you know what I mean He's like a mad Republican. He's had a terrible life. He's like life. a mad Republican. He's had a really terrible his life. His sister got murdered in front of him or some shit. Yeah, yeah. And, and like... um, he's just like, I'm sure like his wife or something got eaten by a shark. That's not even a joke. Like he had oh, yeah, died yeah. from a shark attack. He's a fucking mad Republican. Though, so fucking... A hard life and it's made him hardened. And now his calloused shell. He's like a former, is... he's like a heroin addict as well. Former heroin addict, I think. Yeah, he's a big drinker, big, uh, big mm. drug guy. And then you can tell watching Frasier. There's like one episode where Frasier doesn't show up in Frasier. And it's not like a fun new type of episode. It's like we couldn't get him, mm. <laughs> so we just wrote it out. So stand up. So he's been doing stand up, and it's just bad. He's, t- he's rafe with shape. And um, Sat- Saturday Night Live is quite good for seeing celebrities suck at stand up. You had Elon Musk quite recently. Yeah, which... you're a big Musk head, aren't you? Mm, yeah, me and Musk. Uh, <laughs> I'm heavily invested in the Dogecoin. Um, yeah, that's doing really well. Yeah, um, uh, I've got a Tesla, um, not the car. I've got some of their other products. I've got like tes- Tesla cutlery. Um, it's, yeah, it's cheap, you charge it it's up. It's the cheapest thing on their website. Uh, <laughs> I've got a Tesla copy of Infinite Jest on my bookshelf. And literally. I've got uh, I'm a big Grimes head. Uh, I like Grimes. I hope she comes up in this list. I know she won't, but I do like some of her, her music. first album's pretty good, but yeah, she's, yeah, she's, she's she shouldn't. She should, she should stop. Um, she should stop what? You try to tell a woman what to do with her body? Not her body. Not at all. <laughs> Just her music. What? <laughs> Did you watch in that response? <laughs> I panicked. Not at all. I panicked. Uh, my favourite celebrity doing stand-up story um, is about the time I met Dave Benson Phillips. Um, yeah. You, you remember Dave Benson Phillips from his kids TV show Get Your Own Back? In case anyone, yeah, Gunge's people. In case anyone doesn't know, this was a kids TV show in the 90s in which Dave Benson Phillips would invite children on his TV show to get their own back on their parents um, via Gunge, or you mm-hmm. might know it's like slime. Yeah. Basically, if your dad had, like, I don't know, farted in a parents' evening or something, you would tell David about it and then be this game show where your dad ended up getting covered in slime great mm-hmm. premise great show lot of nostalgia lot of nostalgia for a lot of british people did you ever see uh mr blobby on it no and he was he was in, he was asking him all these questions like trivia questions yeah. to save himself from getting gunged but obviously as we know mr blobby doesn't speak english mm. he's going, he just speaks blobby, so he blobby kept, language at the, at the end it's like junk 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 before he goes and he's like clearly just like screaming and blobbyish just like get me out of here i can't do well here it's so funny that i met mr great. blobby once when i was a young man um so dave benson so, was up up doing the edinburgh festival mm-hmm. they were doing get your own back live um and i was in a venue at the stand comedy club and mm-hmm. the show after me was a show called set list now you've done set list i haven't um, i never no, I think you'd be good at it. Um, I agree, and if you're <laughs> listening, I agree. If you put that show together, I think I would do well at it. So, setlist is a show where you walk on stage. I, t- I have done it. What? I think I do have done it actually. Cut that. Out. I have done it. Have I? I don't I know. I feel like it's something you'd remember doing. I've lost it. 
<laughs> I can't remember if I've done it or not. Okay. Setlist is a show in which you, as a comedian, walk on stage with no material. Then behind you on a screen, some potential ideas for stand-up routines are displayed, and you have to improvise your set around it. It is incredibly terrifying. And the stuff on the screen behind you, it's not that stuff like mobile phones. It's stuff like zombie hospitals, okay? And the idea is is that... Penguin sex. Stuff like that, right? Um, I've done it a number of times. Dinosaur uh, dildos. I always hate it before I go on, and then I do it, and then it's okay. It's you know I've done fine at it. Um, anyway, that was on in the same venue as me after me set list. Okay, so my show's just finished. I'm in my green room. Who walks in but Dave Benson Phillips? I'm really excited. I used to love watching Get Your Own Back when I was younger. I was like, hey, Dave Benson Phillips. I saw you up for the fringe. He's a lovely guy. He's basically one of those guys who is like. Oh, you are like this. Yeah, he's this just is, an age You're just a really happy... He's a like, labrador on a human's body. Absolutely, right? He swore, which shook me. Um, it, it, like, what he did says, he call you? <laughs> he didn't call me anything. He said something like, I'm having a fucking great time. And I was like, oh. David. They didn't on. see how I went piss in your mouth, you freak. No. no. Hey. Um, and then it, I said, what are you doing here? He said, I'm doing set list. Which I was shocked at because setlist is hard for stand-ups stand-ups look at it and go that's some stand-ups don't do it yeah it's hard it's kind of like if you ask them and then they advert that like it's kind of like if you ask the magician to do real magic <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's like it's difficult mm-hmm. anyway so i was like right i'm gonna watch this so i went to watch setlist dave benson phillips gets on stage the suggestion for a routine appears behind him I don't can't remember what it was. Something like I don't know, the French mariachi potato. assassination. Right, mariachi assassination comes up behind him. He looks it, and the look of absolute terror in his face. <laughs> and as he looks at the crowd and goes, "I don't know what to say." I'm not. I'm, and he looks, and he's so genuine. He says, and "He goes, I'm not. I'm not a comedian." <laughs> what? And it's like. Everyone loves Dave Benson Phillips, who's dead. Yeah, excited they want, to see they him. Want him to do well. They're clapping, going, "Woo! Come on, Dave!" See anything? Now, Dave has got a backup plan. He goes, "Look, I, I thought I'd give it a go, but nothing's got mariachi. I have no idea." <laughs> Listen, I used to be on a TV show called Get Your Own Back, <laughs> and we used to throw guns at people. <laughs> so I bought, and he gets out a fucking tin of like paint. Yeah. Right. He goes, "I bought some guns." <laughs> Now, I know this is an adult show. There's no kids. So I've not put any colour dye in the gunge. So it just looks like spunk. Nice. Does anybody want to get gunged with my fake spunk? Now, the host of this set list is comedian Kai Humphreys. Uh-huh. Who has seen me previously in the green room, excited by Dave Benson Phillips' very presence. Oh, no. So Kai Humphreys goes, Liam now, come on stage. Whoa. So I ran up on stage. I was totally up for it. I thought this yeah. would be a great story forever. Uh-huh. I got on my knees and Dave Benson Phillips of Get Your Own Back CBBC fame poured fake cum all over my body. Did it feel good? No, it was disgusting. Because sometimes you get in a kind of situation like that and you're like, oh, this will be weird, but it'll be a laugh. No, it was It was funny. Everyone cheered like crazy. Some people are turned on by stuff like that. I don't think any of those were there. You don't know. You right. don't think there's anybody who's going to gun shows 
who don't have some kind of splosh fetish. It wasn't a gun show. It was set list. No, but he does gun shows. Right. At least 10% of modern... Dave, and this is something I know in my heart. At least 10% of modern Dave Benson Phillips fans are splosh heads. Okay. Who go home covered in Gunge and Jackoff. And I, I know that for a fact. And how many splosh heads do you think were in set list that night? One or two. Right, okay. So maybe one or two. Including people. you. Well, it's not. <laughs> Come on. What do you think about John Mayer, man? It's a good story. It's a good story. Do you not like him? John Mayer? Yeah. I don't think there's anything likeable about him. Really? I find him an, an entirely unlikable person. In what, every is it, what is it you don't like about him? Um, look, we're doing the top 500 albums of all time, okay? So we're going to yeah. come across a lot of dumb, rich folk. Yes. Absolutely. Um, he, to me, is the epitome of the dumb, rich bro. You know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, so there's some other stuff that we were going to cover. Like, he's he's very proud of this, like, big watch collection that he has. Uh-huh, the Rolex collection. He has $40 million worth of watches. What would you collect if you were a millionaire? I don't know. Like... I find it very like I guess you could say I I collect records, right? Sure, he but probably does as well. Yeah, but but I don't think that's the same as like I, I can't imagine me spending a million dollars on a record. No, well, there's what a, if it was like he um, a it, pressing point, of Radiohead's fucking rehearsals or something? You'd probably jack off to that. No, I'd be like I don't. It's too much. That's too much money. Yeah. Okay. He spent $5 million on something like seven watches, and I'm like, that's disgusting. That is gross. When I hear that, all I can hear is the sound of a guillotine coming down. On you, because you've committed suicide, because it upsets you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. He's just, I don't know, there's, like, I watched, um, in research for this, I watched his episode of Hot Ones. Have you ever watched Hot Ones? <laughs> I've watched Hot Ones, I don't I haven't watched his episode, I don't think. And, again, like, I don't know. For, 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 I'll, not... I love the Idris Elba clip. Where he takes a beat, he goes, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> it's my favourite meme. I've never had the situation to use it, but I love it. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so, for anyone who doesn't know, Hot Ones is a, a YouTube interview show in which a guy um, interviews celebrities whilst they're eating progressively hotter and hotter chicken wings. Right. Yes, um, and he's had some really good guests on it. Um, he's quite an annoying dude himself. Mm-hmm. He's quite a yeah. Does he totally like in real life the way he talks in the stand-up thing? I don't know. Oh, oh, oh John Mayer. Yeah. Um, no, he's got a kind of draw there. Where, uh-huh. I mean, so he's friends with Dave Chappelle. So I yeah, think he's, he's copying Chappelle pretty hard. There. He's trying to be Chappelle there, um, but he he doesn't really talk like that. He's got this kind of like a, a sort of bit manic, like almost like. Oh, you know those guys who you can just tell they have like infinite jest on their fucking bookshelf. Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to see what my copy is, but yeah, okay. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with having a cop. <laughs> What's your fucking issue with David Foster Wallace? You think you're better than David Foster Wallace? No, I I I've read it right, but I can see your books on your shelf behind you. So don't get too cocky. <laughs> All right, got loads of good books. Oh, he's typing. I I done that recently. I was making fun but, but, of but, it. But, but, but importantly, hang on, let me finish. But 
for show. He's got it on I mean, his I've never shelf. read my copy. For show. Well, then you and John should fucking start a book club. You can sit around a circle and smoke vape juice together. I don't vape, I smoke cigarettes. Um, I'm, I'm in a mood now. I just think he's a bit of a lame... <laughs> just a lame guy. I, I kind of have a bit of... I think it's called empathy. I'm a very empathetic person. Mm. My whole worldview is empathy and gratitude. I think you could maybe learn a lesson from me. Mm. I look at people like this and I just feel sorry for them and I relate to them, you know. That's yeah, I put, feel sorry for Love is putting your heart in someone else's body and yeah, yeah. hearing that thump, thump, thump of your blood through their veins. No, I feel you know? really sorry for him too. He's had a hard life. Let's go through his girlfriends. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt, Jessica Simpson, Jennifer Aniston, Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. And what? He's also broken up with every single one of them. I think he, I think he treats women or had his like heart watches. by one of them. I Aye. think he treats his women like watches as trophies to be worn. I think he treats women like watches. Valuable, beloved, valuable, many. That's not valuable. good. Well, yeah, it's not a good way of putting it. I think replaceable. Raw. Treats... Oh. Insured. I think he treats his women like his watches. <laughs> On his arm. Never harmed. Full of charm. Full of charm, you know. And that's the new Rolex. Full of charm. Listen, the way he talks about women is insane. I do feel sorry for him, right? But the way he talks about women, what is this thing he said? He said, uh. Are we, are we talk, getting to the Playboy talk, interview? Yeah. Okay, that right. girl is like crack cocaine to me, Mayo said of Simpson. Sexually, it was crazy. That's all I'll say. It was like napalm. Sexual napalm. So that was uh, so this when we first uh, looked into John Mayer, mm-hmm. was very excited because his Wikipedia page has a whole tab dedicated to controversies, <laughs> and so this was one of them. He did some some explosive interviews. This is kind of what you referenced earlier about um, some of the the mad shit that he said. So he mm-hmm. described him and Jessica Simpson's relationship as being sexual napalm. Yeah, that's not that bad, I don't think. Well, when you think about what napalm's done to the flesh, lives, and homes of Vietnamese people, you go, that's not a very nice thing to say, is it? Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's. I think it's quite a bad faith uh, interpretation. I think it's a bit... <laughs> I think it's a... I mean, he's it's, 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 it's a musician, right? It's just, it's just... We're using metaphors, isn't it, right? Like, that's, you know... I'm a comedian. I can use metaphors without, you know, minimising the... Do you think that's what he's doing there? The cost... Goddamn social justice warriors, man. Unbelievable. Um, I will say, I think it's a pretty disrespectful thing to talk about your sex life with an ex um, publicly. I think that's more, you know, it's a bit, that's a bit gross. Here's something he said, right? Is this, All okay. I, this is a long quote. All I want to do now is fuck the girls I've already fucked because I can't fathom explaining myself to somebody who can't even believe I'd be interested in them. And they're going, but you're John Mayer. So I'm going to move backwards to move forwards. I'm too freaked out to meet anybody else. What do you think? Do you think it's going to take meeting someone who I admire more than I admire myself? But isn't it also about a beautiful vagina? Aren't we talking about a matrix of a couple of different things here? Like, you need to have them be able to go toe-to-toe with you intellectually. But don't they also have to have a vagina you could pitch a tent on and just camp out on for, like, a weekend? Doesn't that have to be there too? The Joshua Tree of Vaginas? <laughs> so for me, it's like... <laughs> that sounds like the opening monologue 
to that Marvin Gaye song where he's talking about... <laughs> it's like the Marvin Gaye song. <laughs> you want to meet someone who could talk to you intellectually, but... Sometimes in marriage, you just got to pitch a tent and a vagina. Sometimes you, you lie to God. And when you lie to God, you pitch a tent. Yeah, um, and we're not even getting to the um, most controversial um, interview, which was with Playboy magazine. Here's, here's what he said, right? And I don't really understand what he means by this, right? I can talk you through it. My dick is sort of like a white supremacist. I've got a Benetton hat and a fucking David Duke cock. I'm going to start dating separately from my dick. So you okay. think... Uh, what does he mean let by me that? explain. Okay, so what he right. said is... I know who David D- Dick is. David Duke... Yeah, okay, so Benetton is referring the to... The United Colours of Benetton. The United Colours of Benetton. So he's saying, my heart, I love every, I love everybody of all colours. Uh-huh. However, yeah. my dick is a racist, is what he's saying. So he's he's saying... He doesn't I, sleep with black people. He doesn't think black people attractive. Uh, it's kind of mad, isn't it? Essentially, but to invoke David Duke there is like... That's, really, that's a really stupid thing to say. And he also used the N-word in that interview yeah. later on um he has since said you know oh that was really stupid and i was trying to be edgy or whatever and yeah. whatever but but like still like well, we've all been young and dumb but I'm full of uh I've, hatred to come <laughs> i've never uh it invoked the grand wizard of the kkk whilst referring to my own peen to my recollection you're looking at uh so yeah, so he's got loads of these. He was kind of like a tabloid boy in the noughties, I think, dating all these celebrities. But do you not think that? Do you know? I'm just, I'm genuinely trying to have more kind of empathy. And I remember right after we recorded last week's episode, um, you said, "Oh, he's sober. He, he he's he's in recovery because he he was at Drake's thirtieth birthday and had and a six-day hangover. He had a six-day hangover, and I went, oh what a wank and you went no you, you need to realise the level of making an ass of himself he had to do at that party that would make him quit forever and I went oh yeah and reading about him and reading interviews with him and he, he the way he conducts himself in the press and the way he writes and records music seemed to be at odds in terms of Here's a very controversial figure making very uncontroversial music. But when you consider the fact that he's really doing both of those things to his best ability, because you have to be controversial to fill up newspapers and you have to be uncontroversial to sell that amount of records. So the idea is he has to be the centre of attention at all times. And I think that speaks to a very flawed human being. I think you're right. Um, however, so I remember that conversation we had and about... Um him kind of name dropping Drake in in his sort of like a rock bottom uh, moment of recovery mm-hmm. story, and then me kind of defending him and saying, as you said, you know, um, <clears throat> the re- the reason he's doing that is because it shows. Imagine what a mess he would have made himself at that party. Imagine waking up after Drake's thirtieth birthday <laughs> and going, "What a fucking state! I cannot believe all those." You've walked in on him sleeping with a teenager. You're just like, "Oh no, what a faux pas!" (laughs) However, having watched John Mayer interviews since then and seen him in Hot Ones or whatever, I am back to the original, (laughs) what your original thing, and going, "No, he's a wank," and he's definitely name dropping that in the way that you originally thought. Well, I kind of flirt back and forth, not flirt, 
I kind of go back and forth between feeling bad for him and respecting his talent and then going, do you know, this music isn't very good and he's an asshole. <laughs> I think maybe all four statements could be true. Yeah, um, so his music, like, he's got, like, a... What did you think of this album? Okay, let's get down to it. Yeah. Um, I put it on, and out of all the albums we've listened to so far, it was the one I found the most immediately boring. Boring? What do you mean by boring? Just nothing exceptional in it. Nothing that reached out and grabbed me. Just, like, an incredibly mediocre middling just nothing of an album <laughs> just i like didn't feel anything i didn't care about any of the songs yeah. i didn't care about the guy i i, I <laughs> couldn't wait till it was over I, I... <laughs> did, did you like any aspect of it look the, look the guy can play guitar and the songs mm-hmm. i like when i say boring what i don't mean they're bad necessarily yeah. do you know what no. i mean it kind of at points it feels like it was written by like an algorithm. Do you know what I mean? Just like yeah. this is this is how a blues rock song goes. Yeah. Like there are like the, there's songs on it like there's the song Gravity. Uh, uh, you know Gravity. Don't fool me. The the guitar solo in that is nice. Do you know what I mean? It's pleasing sounding, but it's pleasing sounding in the way that you can imagine being the background to a mortgage advert. Do you know what I mean? And, I know what you mean with a mortgage advert. That's what it's like. Right, okay. Here's an advert for this album. All right. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you read GQ magazine? When someone asks you what your favorite coffee is, do you say Starbucks or Starbucks? <laughs> what do you think music is? Is it a passage to someone else's mind? Is it all of human history recorded in time? Is it an open book that tells any story you want it to, mm-hmm. or is it something to have playing? Softly in the background of a Pizza Express. If it's the latter, then this is the album for you. Yeah. As I said earlier on, the first time I listened to this, I was preparing a meal containing vegetables. And... Yeah. Stop, trying to, stop trying to convince everyone that you eat vegetables. Like, that's, that's two references. You were, yes. Yeah, I was, chop- hey, I was cutting vegetables. Yeah, I was chopping up some vegetables for a meal that I would <laughs> consume at a later date. And... Not only did I do that, but mm. uh, I was listening to this in the background, and it's very good. No, it functions as music that you can prepare vegetables to. It's unintrusive, mm. very gentle, um, hooky. It's just, I think I know what you mean when you're talking about things. I've, I've, it's, it's, I think an album like this is helpful for you to be able to put your own tastes into alignment, do you know what I mean? Like, it's good for you to think, what do I actually like about music? Because I can tell that this is good on some mm. level, but mm. I don't like it. And I think I like it when somebody goes all in on who they are. Like, if I'm listening to a pop song, I want to hear the biggest, poppiest, hookiest thing. If I'm listening to, like, a noise record, I want it to be, like, screeching, grinding, abrasive. If I'm listening to, like, jazz, I want it to be, like, super loose and uh, all over the place and like exploratory you know I want something to be the most it it can be do you know what I mean mm. and you kind of get this in terms of pushing the absolute limits on how dull and flawless <laughs> something can be do you know what I mean it's I think it, it commits for, for me the cardinal sin of 
making commercial music but pretending it's anything but that, right? So on the Harry Styles album, that really shines uh-huh. when he's going, this is Watermelon Sugar, this is fun, stupid pop that you shouldn't take seriously, okay? Okay. We're, 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 we've got Lady Gaga coming up in a couple of weeks, which is a whole album of her going, I'm the fame monster, I'm a pop star. Yeah. This is just silly, outrageous pop music. Whereas this is him going, hey, I'm a serious musician. Okay? That kind of bothers me, yeah. I, I, I'm a serious musician. I, uh, I listen to Jimi Hendrix. don't know if you've heard of him. And then playing a little, covering Jimi Hendrix in it and the odd guitar solo. But all of it is just so, like, level five. Out of ten. In, However, I feel like he feels like he's on nine out of ten. He's pushing nine. I feel insane listening to this. And then reading what people say about it and people talk about this album like it's some unfathomable hit. I was reading this thing. I mean, I was on the John Mayer Reddit, but it was like, do you prefer John Mayer's version of Axis Bold as Love or do you prefer Jimi Hendrix's version? And I listened to the Jimi Hendrix version today. It is so powerful and poetic and psychedelic and thrilling and then there's this version on this record where he just manages to just take the kaleidoscopic rainbow of sound and expression and then just hammer it into like Mm. it's the same colours but there's just like a Instagram filter over the top of it to like a sepia tone you know it's like be like Jimi Hendrix doing. A it's like if set, you, you know? hooked Jimi Hendrix's exhumed corpse up to a series of pulleys and levers, and made his dead body sing the fucking song. That's the level of life in it. It's okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like the way people speak about this album, here's a here's something that got wrote last year on I think like the fifteenth anniversary of this record coming out. This is the first paragraph to uh, I'm not going to say the author's name, but because uh, I don't want to put her on blast, but uh, the the article is called John Mayer tried to change what he could on Continuum. Here's the first paragraph. While I rode the bus to school in 2006, the instruction ensued far, far away from my little rural town in upstate New York. America shipped out its troops to Iraq in droves. Thousands of Iraqis were killed. Saddam Hussein was about to meet his fate and the search for Osama bin Laden continued. Every night on the news, I saw how adults were messing up the world, and I couldn't have felt more disconnected. I was 16. I couldn't even vote yet. What the fuck does that have to do with this shit music? <laughs> because there, he's what do you think about that song? How do you feel about that song? the opening song. Well, that's the generational apathy that's kind of referenced in the Rolling Stones intro, is like this this idea that as young people we can't change anything uh you know so we're just we're just waiting for it to be changed for us which you know which is a way of thinking that's kind of went out of fashion yeah and like uh, again lyrically he's pretty poor throughout like there's nothing i disagree with that i think there's some really interesting tons of phrases i sent you a lyric last night i was listening to it i think it's on 
jump from the train, is the song called? Or something? Yeah, uh, look, but I would say that these these stop these, the train. I'd say, hang on, I'd say these moments are the exception rather than the rule. You know what I mean? I think in general the ideas here are not that exciting or anything. There's occasional flourishes of like uh, in interestingness, but generally I think it's it's pretty poor. On stop the train, he says, "So scared of getting older, I'm only good at being young." And really, see if on an album you can only put one couplet in mm. or couplet that makes somebody go that's like that's good going you know i heard that and i was like fuck man you know i've kind of built my whole career on doing stand-up about being a young guy and now i'm getting a wee bit older hair's getting gray lines being drawn beneath my eyes with the nick of time to quote uh bonnie Ray, you know mm. i feel like i'm getting older and i don't know how to handle it and i th- and for a, a line in a blues pop song, it make you feel like that's kind of beautiful. Sure. So you like the album then? <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's... it's, uh, And also the idea of slow dancing in a burning room is a really kind of beautiful piece of imagery. I thought, you know, kind of... Okay, the world's collapsing, but... Really all you can do sometimes is spend it with someone you love about love about but someone you love and well you know, i mean a, a lot of life just now feels like slow dancing in a burning room um i can't i think you've not given him enough credit for a little bit of his writing i think he's i think he's I, a dab hand i, I with found slow dancing in a burning room to be but i mean I, I i made a note of that being particularly mawkish um <laughs> so yeah that, that that's exactly the sort of thing that i'm not convinced by but you know me, I'm mocking Mindy, baby. I like it. <laughs> um, uh, the, gra- the song Gravity is a fun fact. Gravity! Which I um, only learned about via this record, is that um, when astronauts are in space, mm-hmm. they are woken up each day by, uh, by a song um, that's played like sort of through the spacecraft and, and into their helmets. Is it this song? Well, no, it's a different song uh, <laughs> every day. Um, oh. That is often uh, sometimes it's requested by the astronauts, um, and sometimes it's like some it's a sort of connection between the ground team and the astronauts that NASA itself has like no intrusion on. So they, mm-hmm. you know, there's basically people down there that decide, okay, what we're going to wake up the astronauts with today. And there's a, a list online you can find every astronaut wake up song um, mm-hmm. from the uh, from the very first Apollo missions all the way up to now. And th- this mm-hmm. was used as one. Uh, oh. one day but it's really interesting the list because there's a couple where like um, there's like side notes like they, they used M&M and there was like complaints because it was too like it was too much at that time in the morning do you know what I mean it has to be like a soft it has to be stuff like this basically yeah although you know I feel like uh, some M&M songs could work you know step uh, by step heart to heart Awful down, probably not good. soldiers. When you are a soldier who has been thrown through space, yeah. <laughs> without me, the I, empty I don't think without me would work very well either. Just reminding them that you know the world is continuing without them. Knees weak, arms aren't heavy because you're in zero gravity. Nothing's heavy. Oh, <laughs> weight isn't a concept. Forget gravity, it's zero gravity. <laughs> so here's here's a thing about this album, right? Is the year before Continuing came out, he was trying to reinvent himself away from being a Daniel Pewter type 
clown mm. and he put out a record not as John Mayer but as the John Mayer trio it's called Try and it's a live album and it's him and a, a very small band and they play some of the songs they play Gravity they play Vultures they play you know stuff like that um, and it's a bit better you know they're playing it live he's shredding a wee bit more it's a bit less it's a bit rawer and it's really far away from like the acoustic stuff. It's like we are a blues band, and it's okay, you know. It's still not good, mm. but it's be- it's something, you know. Do you think you'll ever listen to him again? Do you know? I, I don't know because sometimes I go away for an album when we do this, and I go, yeah, I'm going to keep listening to this, and then I never do. But I've actually went back to Harry Styles a couple of times for she, she, she lives in daydreams with me. And, like, this really reminds me of that record because it's that thing of a pop star trying to reinvent themselves as a serious rocker. And it doesn't really work, but one or two of the songs are quite good. Uh, right, continuum. Chris, did you enjoy an album? Uh, no. Did you enjoy an album? No. No. Uh, but we do need to put some tracks in the playlist regardless. Right. I'm going to put in Gravity because, you know, I like the guitar Come solo. On. Gravity! Yeah, this is the song I liked the most. Alright. I'm looking at the... It's one of those weeks where I don't want to put any of the albums, any of the songs in the album. We kind of have to at least put... I mean, I know we didn't for Phil Spector, right? But that mm-hmm. was there was good reason. This, we kind of have to because it is a companion piece to Playlist. So we at least have to let people understand what the type of music is and, and, and what he's doing, so... Can I, think... I get two non-album choices again? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put on Slow Dancing in a Burning Room. And mm. I'm actually kind of offended that you thought it was mawkish because it reminds me of a song I wrote when I was a teenager called Proximity. In a Burning Room. Oh, no, wait, Gravity reminds me of Proximity. It's, <laughs> it's like, I need Proximity. I need you close to me. I need you here in my arms. I wrote that, and I never sh- showed anybody until now. Well, and yeah, sure I'm touched. I'm touched yeah. that it got its debut here on Enjoy an Album. Yeah. Um, my bo- re- my bonus track. With regards to bonus track, what is your choice? Um, considering John Mayer's love for Jimi Hendrix. Oh, come on, no, I was going to do that. I said before what the podcast... What the fuck did you say? Yeah. Before the podcast, I said, I'm concerned that we're both going to pick similar... We need to start sharing our choices I, I went to, I went to. I said, I'm concerned we're going to choose similar songs. And you went, no, we won't. You're Liam. As if Liam's ever heard of Jimi Hendrix. Hmm. Nah, no, you've heard of Jimi Hendrix. I don't. Um, I'm going to choose... We can both have Jimi Hendrix. How good's that? Two you Jimi think we're going to put two fucking John Mayer tracks and two fucking Jimi Hendrix tracks? You think I'm going to do that to a playlist? That's going to be that's fantastic. Right, what's your choice anyway? Um, Machine Gun, which is um, a 12-minute Vietnam anti-war protest song, commonly regarded as one of his best live performances ever, in which he uses his guitar in a way that John Mayer could only dream of mm-hmm. he uses all the pedals and all the separate amplification modifiers to recreate the noises of the vietnam war 
air yep. raid sirens, bombs coming towards the air, uh, bombs coming towards the floor, uh, people screaming, and it even closes with the sound of him uh, making the noise of a helicopter leaving Vietnam. It's absolutely incredible it's piece amazing. of music. It's really good, yeah. It's, uh, it's not my favourite Jimi Hendrix song, because I consider this John Mayer album to be acceptable background music for cooking. I'm going to put in the song that I actually love to cook to. Um, it's called Early Summer by the Japanese jazz artist Ryo Fukui from his album Scenery. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Scenery. And um, it's like... And see when you're fucking chopping up shallots to that, things can get pretty fun. <laughs> uh, you know how people think we're wanks? Aye, but you need to just lean in. Yeah? It's like yeah, being no, John Mayer. Uh, that's you know? what I'm saying. Like, you know, that's great. Like, you, you, you put on Japanese jazz to cook to. And I just... Yeah, that's what I mean. This is like... You're not John Mayer. John Mayer's pretending he isn't what he is. Whereas you are going, listen, I am this. I, I feel sorry for the guy. I, I can, I, I, I'm trying to have more empathy. And, uh, you know, I love him as a person. I think he's a great guitarist, great musician. Uh, you know, very uh, well honed songwriter and you can tell his influence comes through on stuff like Ed Sheeran and, and Sean Mendes that I also don't like um, what, what, what a really boring album by a really interesting guy yeah I think all that except I think he's shy and so is his music next week we're going to be covering Richard and Linda Thompson's I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight 1974 folk rock I'm looking forward to this I'm looking forward to hearing something else <laughs> no I, I listen to enough Jimi Hendrix and there's some other cool albums that came out this week that uh, you, you you put on Sons of Comet didn't you mm. so it was, was kind of nice to have a palate cleanser when you're listening to fucking crazy uh, black jazz you know so yeah um, so uh, thanks very much and we'll see you next week for some uh, some Richard and Linda Thompson see you there friendo and listen this has been annoying Try that again. This has been an annoying album. <laughs> this annoying has been an Liam. This has been annoying fucking Liam, by the way, because enjoy an album. We didn't enjoy an album. Anyway, <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, and I hope you have a really pleasant night.